Amen. So, wow, uh, we choose to lift his name up on high. And thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, it is an awesome day. Uh, David just texted me an account uh, today. We have over 300 people that have gathered here to worship God this morning. Give God a round of applause. Thank you guys for being here. Awesome. And I uh, was so thankful that God is moving here at Connect Church. I appreciate the opportunity to be uh, able to go and see our son in North Carolina, our grandson, more importantly, uh, last week. And you guys came back, and you're making me pay for it today. I really would covet, in all seriousness, your prayers. Uh, I'll be preaching four times today, uh, two in this service. I'll be doing a funeral at 2 o'clock uh, with, uh, with the Roberts family, and then at 6 o'clock doing the ordination of our— we got two new deacons to ordain in our church. We're going forward. Love it. God's blessing. Thankful for what he's doing. And so I really would covet your prayers. Remember the Mark Garrett family today. His mom passed away last night, so we'll be dealing with that as well. And so uh, just a lot going on. It's been a busy week, and uh, but I'm thankful to be here. My name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here, teaching pastor here at Connect Church, and we're thankful that you guys have tuned in and are watching with us today, and thank you that you are here to worship God. I believe he's got an important message uh, to share with you, and so just welcome to the house and being a part of that. And matter of fact, uh, as we launch into this message today. Uh, aren't you thankful that, you know, we've been through uh, 2020 and all of that's behind us, so we're in a new year, and it's going to be filled with no COVID, peace, and love, and everybody's going to get along? Well, we blew that. Anyway, so we're going to share with you a message that the church is still here. We blew that away in the first week. Uh, the church is still here, and, and, you know, as you think about those things, you have to ask the question, like a lot of us are doing in America today, you know, what in the world am I doing? You know, why am I here? What am I doing with this? Well, it happens in your personal life as well. Uh, let me illustrate to you. If your neighbor asks you, this would be the betting fields, if your neighbor asks you, hey, we're going to go visit our kids and our grandkids, can you watch our cat for us while we're gone? While you go over to Amanda's house and you're going through the litter box and you're sc scooping up the poop in the litter box for Amanda's cat, you're going, why? am I doing this? Or maybe if you're here this morning, and let's just uh, talk to the guys for just a second. Ladies, can I just help save some marriages here this morning? Don't do this. Don't do this. Your wife looks at you. Maybe this morning, on the way to church, you know, getting ready for church, and she looks at you, and she says to you, you know how they do it. Sweetie, does this dress make me look fat? And before you think, you just sort of blurt out, I don't think it's a dress making you look fat. Then it's over at that point. And you're thinking, after you wake up, what am I doing here and why did you put me in that position that I immediately responded? Uh, and then let's put you ladies, you know, into this position. You're sitting there and, you know, yesterday morning and it's freezing cold and you get up with your husband and at 4 a.m. and you go, you know, sweetie babe, I just, you love to deer hunt and we've just not been spending any quality time together. So I want to go deer hunting with you today. And you get up at 4 a.m. and you go sit in that deer stand with your sweetie. And about 6 a.m., you ain't seen nothing, you ain't heard nothing, and all you know is your nose, your toes, 
and your fingers are freezing off. And you think to yourself, what in the world am I doing here? And it happens in all forms, in all areas of our life, and not just in these, but let's talk to all of our parents this morning. We've got so many new babies in our church family. Uh, like I said, I walked by the nursery this morning, and just God help them. But anyway, yeah, so they're everywhere. We need to get done. I, I do feel, anyway, uh, so let's hurry along. So here, so we got all these babies and, and all these new parents in our church, and here's what happens. You, don't you know it? About 3 a.m. in the morning, you're walking that screaming, blood-curdling, crying kid. <laughs> and no matter what you do, you pat them, you feed, it doesn't, I mean, they, and it's 3 a.m., you've had it, you're tired, you're wore out. And about 3 a.m., you look at your pregnant Ashlyn, I mean wife, and you say to her, Why? are we doing this again? And so I'm just telling you, uh, we ask that question a lot in the practicality of our life. Why am I doing this? And matter of fact, uh, let's just make it a very spiritual moment in asking this question. You did that this morning on your way to John Brown Church. I know you all look like you all are holier than thou people right now. Well, we just came in to lift our voices to praise him in the valley. 30 minutes ago, you were in the car. There was no God in that car. You were riding in the church, and you look at the back seat in the, in the baby carrier thingy. What do they call them? Car seat. And you're looking at that car seat, and you're looking at his kids. And his son has a blue shoe on and an orange shoe on. You don't know how he got those shoes on. And some of you are just thankful that they even had shoes on. And so now it's on. You're mad. They're fussy. They looked at you and said, I don't want to go to church. It's cold outside. You look at your husband and you're trying to get there to church because the preachers, you know, emailed you and texted you and all that kind of stuff. And so you're trying to go to the house of God because you're holy people. And you look over at your husband. He's got a snarl on his face. It ain't about Jesus and holiness. He's grouchy. And he looks over at you and goes, I didn't want to go in the first place. I'd rather stay at home and play video games. And you go, oh, it's on now. And all that happened, and you're sitting there thinking, why in the world am I doing this? Why am I going to church with all of this? Matter of fact, Pastor Rick Warren asked a great question, and it is a great question that helps us answer that really well. And I want you to write it down, and this is what we're going to talk to you about today. The why always determines. Write this down in your notes. I'm telling you, this is what we're going to uh, develop in the sermon this morning. This is money, guys. This is, <laughs> this is how you stay with it. The why always determines how long you stay with it. I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. I'm telling you, this is why we do church here. This is what we're going to define for you guys today. The why. The why we came today the why we do church the way we do it determines how long you're going to stay with it. This fall, Connect Church has changed its name three times, and yet we're still here. We will celebrate 90 
years of preaching the same gospel of Jesus Christ this fall here at Connect Church. 90 years that we've been here in this community telling them about Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, this fall, a month before that time, I will have been here 20 of those 90 years preaching to you. And I know some of you are thinking, looks like he's been here about 40. Uh, but the truth is, it feels like it. But anyway, uh, the truth of the matter is, how do you stay with it that long? 90 years, 20 years, how do you stay lo that long with it? It's because you've answered the question correctly, why? And here's the why. And that's what we're going to define for you guys today. We're going to give you a biblical foundation to know why you come to church, why you go through all that headache. And you you know where it begins? It begins with God. The reason that you get up and the kids are not dressed correctly and your husband's a grouch and you're fighting all the way to church, the reason you go through all of that, because you love God. And, and here's what the Ephesians cha or Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, that's the phrase I want you to underline, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. We start with God. He is the beginning and he is the end. The reason we got up this morning to come to the house is because God created us. Everything in our life, we acknowledge that there's nothing about us that has not been created by God. Every rock on that mountain is created by God. And the mountain is created by God. Every animal that walks the face of this earth, except for cats, is created by God. And you need to know this morning that as marvelous as that incredible creation is that God has, has designed for us, there's something even better and cooler that God has done for you and I. And that is... He, began, it, he invented and created the universe because he wanted a family. Listen to me this morning. God was not lonely and created you and me. God, this is going to come as a huge shock to some of you egomaniacs. God does not need you. He loves you. And he wants you. He created a family because he wanted to share his love with that family. Let's write this down. We got it on our screen this morning. He, write it down. He wanted a family to love and share his glory with. It's, and now think about that this morning. God created family because he wanted to share his glory with us. And that shouldn't be so hard to process. Hear me this morning. Why did you start a family? Darby, why did you and David start a family? Because the night household is so bliss and so wonderful, we wanted to share our love uh, with these wonderful guests. That's why we all started a family. We, we start our family because we want to share our love with another generation, and, and then they become teenagers, and we look at each other and go, what in the world were we thinking? Uh, I'm just saying. Sorry, Arnie. But anyway, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, your parents never said that. 
All right, uh, but here's the thing, is that we, we start in, in a family because we want to share the love. And God did the exact same thing in us. He started a family because he wanted to love on us. Here's what he does next with his family. Ephesians 1.10, as they plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. So are you getting the picture now? Everything's created by God. That's why we're coming, because he owns us. He, he, he's, he's designed us to be here, so we got to come find out about him so that we understand our purpose in life. And then the next phrase is God knew that we would all sin. Ephesians 1.10 tells us, here's the great part that you need to understand about salvation, soteriology, it's the, the, the theology of salvation is that God had a plan of redemption all along. He knew in Genesis 3 that you and I would sin against God. He knew that we would be cursed and we would do our own thing. But God didn't leave us hanging. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He's had a plan all along to save our sorry souls and bring us to heaven one day because I'm telling you, God is enamored and loves you. He's had a plan of redemption all along. And so we come to his house because that's who he is. And only as he created this family, this family, this church family that will last forever. As a matter of fact, that is the title of my message this morning. The only family that will last forever. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3.16. <sighs> This goes against today what I normal style of preaching. We're going to hang on to that verse. You're going to need to stay there for a little while. We're going to get to it at the very end. But the Holy Spirit's going to move in it. And I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, I'm not going to unpack this verse till the very end of the message today. But I think you're going to see the reason behind it. Because I want you to walk out of here this morning knowing the doctrine of 1 Corinthians 3.16. And the only family that will last forever. And so we're going to see that at the very end. So let's begin with Jesus. Uh, let, let's uh, track through it, and let me give you some biblical foundation. Well, let's just take the scriptures, and I want to identify, don't you think it would be healthy? Everybody's got an opinion about church. Well, I'll tell you what, I think my church should look like this. I think my church should look like that. Uh, we've all got opinions about church. Man, they're a dime a dozen. Can I throw out a novel idea? Chris, let me just be wild and crazy here. How about we pull out the Bible and see what Jesus said about the church? Well, why would we do that? You know, we have already voted in our church what he's voted. All right, uh, so let's just do this. Let's just see what Jesus had to say about the church. In Matthew 16, 18, we don't have it on the screen, but he says... I will build my church. If you've been involved in any kind of church anywhere, anytime, you've heard that phrase. Jesus said, I will build my church. And listen to me this morning. Let's just pause and be very simplistic in, with that. Jesus says, I will build a government of which the Republican Party shall be a part. No, 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 he doesn't say that at all. He certainly didn't say it about the Democratic Party. What did he say? He said, I will build a building. He didn't say that at all. He said, I will build uh, a business. He didn't say that. He says, I will build my church. Jesus is only interested in one family. 
all the stuff that you guys are killing yourselves over, you hear me? He's only interested in one family, and that's his church. Wow. Let that sink in for just a second. You know what's going to happen out to everything else, don't you, that you all are killing yourselves over and, and worried about? Well, what about my job? <laughs> I got news for you. Your company and your job, this is going to be, wow, the viewers are going to turn out. Do you realize your job and your company is going to wash away one day? It's going to all burn up. Well, what about my house? I'll tell you what, we sweat blood and tears to get that house. Rebecca and Bennett just built a new house. I hate to tell them, but one day it's going to all burn up. Even in Mantachi. Uh, I'm just telling you, it's going to go away one day. What about my truck? I got my Ford truck out there, four-wheel drive. If you get your home without breaking down. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, Tim, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that one day that truck is going to burn up. Everything that you're holding on to, everything that you're fighting for in your life, it's all going to burn up. Do you know what the only thing that's going to last forever, Miss Marie? It's the church. It's the body of Christ. It's the family of God. That's what he's building. Jesus says, now this gets really money. He goes, you remember the phrase he says later on in Matthew? Well, this is money, Bubba. I will build my church and the gates of what? Hell will not prevail against it. You know how I preach this top over the years? Wrong. You know how you all listen to it? Wrong. You know how we've, we're pictured that, don't you? And, and how we taught it over the years? We, we, we've had this picture in our mind because we were fundamentalist, King James Version, you know, Baptist, uh, that we don't have any fun, neither should you, uh, and all of those kind of things. And what we did is we sort of said, and this is what we preached, I tell you what, we don't need them ungodly people and them ungodly politicians in our church. What we need to do is we need to circle ourselves and we got to put the wagons around in a circle and we got to protect ourselves because we don't want them worldly people coming into our church. They'll, they'll ruin your church. You got to protect the church. And so we just sort of thought that we got to, you know, keep those outsiders out. <laughs> you remember early on, early on when I came here and ruffled a few feathers and, and we started bringing outsiders into the church? Man, there were some meetings called. Brother Terry, have you seen the people it's coming to church now. I don't know them. I don't like them. Oh, they didn't say that. But you know what? If we're not careful, we're going to get on. We're going to get overrun with them outsiders, and they're going to run this church, and we ain't going to be in control no more. I had people tell me that kind of stuff. And the truth of the matter is, I wanted to say to them, we were all outsiders at one time or another. The only reason we got our foot in the door is because Jesus Christ died for outsiders just like your sorry self and mine. And the truth of the matter is, there's no such thing as outsiders. That's why we exist. And guess what we've been doing ever since? We've been running to the outsiders and we've been begging them to come to our church. Because that's why we exist. Amen. And so, Jesus says, the gates of it, it's not about we're circling ourselves and protecting ourselves. This is so cool. Here's what, when you study the theology of that verse and statement by Jesus, he is saying, Nick, when the church gets right 
And the church understands its mission. And the church puts me as the throne of who they worship, and they come here for that reason, guess what? Not even, and I'm telling you, you cannot stop the church. What it's saying, we're going to go out. If you want to save America, then you join me. This is what I've been doing. I'm not praying for America to be saved by Republicans or Democrats, by Biden, by Trump, or by anybody else. There is only one King Jesus, and if you want to save America, you join me in praying that church comes back to the house, gets the gospel, and takes it to everybody in this country. And when people get saved, then God's going to bless America. He says, not even the gates of hell will stop us. We're going to march to the gates of hell is what he's saying. And the devil can't stop us, Tanner. We're going to take the gospel to the gates of hell, and we're going to save the world. That's what he's promised us, guys. That's the church family. Isn't that awesome? Totally different than the way we've thought. I got two more. All right, sermons. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. The most successful human movement of all time. Do you know this this morning is the church of God? Let me say that again. The most successful human movement of all time is the church of God. Currently, Currently, we have 2.3 billion believers on planet Earth. God's family this morning is larger than China. We are the largest, not organization, you are part of the largest movement on planet Earth. And here's the goal. What God is wanting to do is take the church on Earth and put it into heaven. And he wants you and I to join him on this quest and on this opportunity and I'm just telling you, you can't stop the church. We have Jesus. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. Do we ever need to hear this message in 2021 ever before? Do, do, you want to understand this morning what this promise and gives us hope? I have had the privilege of preaching in socialist countries. And do you know what? They regulate and sometimes even define that this church cannot meet. Could you imagine living in a country when they told you when you could and couldn't open the doors of your church? And in Cuba, I've preached there. And you've been there, Mark. And there was a Sunday night that I was preaching in Castro's Cuba. And we were probably not supposed to meet in that building that night, but we were in a little community outside of Havana called San Francisco. It's a little suburb of Havana. And I was preaching there that night in a little block building. And the people started coming. And it didn't have any windows. It just had the open brick, you know, building and the, and the window outings, but no glass over them. And people were standing on the outside of the building, Miss Marie, lined up to hear the service that night and to hear the gospel preached that night. People continued to come from that community. They filled out into the street and the police just turned back and said we're not arresting anybody because we cannot stop what God is doing in Cuba tonight and one of the greatest services I've ever been in was in communist Cuba Castro and I'm just telling you you can't stop the church you can't stop the gospel and so God is saying to us I want you to realize what the church can be so let's get back to the basics and so let me ask you this morning, 
We've looked at what Jesus says the church is. So let me ask you, how would you define the church? Here's your question. What is the church? What's, what's your, uh, this is, uh, what do they call it? Inter, not interactive, but uh, responsive. Okay, anyway. Uh, so um, w- somebody just shout out. What's the first thing that popped in your head? Some of you get the second thing. All right, I know some of you. Uh, but when I ask the question, what is the church, what's the first thing that just pops in your mind? How would you answer that question if you got asked on the street today? What is the church? Just tell me real quickly. Body belief. All right, what else? People. All right, love. What else? Family. What, what is the church? You know how we've defined it most of the time is somebody asks you, what did you do this morning? What, did you, what do you say to them? Well, I'll tell you what, I went to church because I'm better than you. Anyway, uh, you know, we answer the question, and what do we say? We went to 1650 North Veterans Boulevard, uh, and uh, well, let's just call it like it is. We went to the church by the Mexican restaurant. Uh, so, you know, we just tell folks uh, about, you know, what location. The church is not a building. The church is not a location. Somebody said it. The church is a family. It's just one word. This is how the Bible defines it. The church is a family. And you're going to see how powerful that is when we wrap this up in just a minute. The church is a family. Jim Putman has really been the leader in um, articulating this whole discipleship movement. Um, A guy wrote a book in 1965, uh, and it really helped challenge the church about moving away from the American idea of how we do church back to the biblical model of discipleship. And so it's been around a long time. And Putman's just really been who God and the Holy Spirit use. He's a pastor of a church in Idaho, of all things. And it's just a powerful movement of returning the church back to what Jesus said, go and make disciples. Boy, how complicated is it? It's not a program. We're not selling anything programmed. It's a lifestyle. Go and make disciples. And Putman writes in his book, I've been reading it recently, called uh, The Power of Being Together. And the power of being together. And when he tells the story of his church in Idaho, and this is how the best I can give you a word picture illustrates the family. He tells the story of... um, the power of being together. In his church in Idaho, they had a young couple that got saved. And you know what we do in church is you get saved and you ain't figured out that you're supposed to serve in the nursery or somewhere else, then we're going to plug you in and put you into serving. And so uh, they're just like every other church. And so they put this couple in charge of the junior high ministry. They were the junior high leaders department. And this couple bombed. This couple was, honestly, they were very out there kind of personalities and they rubbed the parents the wrong way Uh, they were not understanding how to serve they didn't understand the whole concept of working with volunteers they were used to just being bosses and making decisions and not only did it not go over real well with the kids they 
ticked off the parents, and when those kind of things happen, Pastor Jim said, it lands, and you have to be in our position, it lands always on the pastor's desk, and they had parents saying, we're not coming back to church, and they were all upset, and I mean, everybody, I know you guys picture those things never happen, they do, Uh, and so, and here as well, and so this family in the church in Idaho, and so Pastor Jim is saying, you know, what are we going to do, and because he believes in this whole concept of discipleship and church as a family, He said to the couple, we're going to have to take you and remove you as junior high leaders. It's just not working. But he said, we don't want to kick you out of church, and we don't want you to leave, and we don't care what anybody else thinks about you. What you need is to be discipled, and we're going to take you from that position, put you in a small group, connect group, and then we're going to put you with a D group, discipleship group, because what you're really lacking is spiritual maturity. And he just told them straight up, step out of your leadership. You just, we made a mistake. You weren't ready for it. But that doesn't mean that you're damaged goods and you're not useful. And guess what happened? They stepped out of leadership for a year got discipled, were in a connect group, and guess what happened? They learned and understood better about what it means to work with volunteers, that you don't get your way, and that, you know, trust me, uh, and that you, and they learned how to become a disciple, that it's about God, not about them and their agenda, and guess what happened? They found another area of ministry to plug into in that church. They began to serve in that area, and two years after that, guess how good God is? This is what a family does they wound up taking back over the junior high ministry and doing marvelous and wonderful with it. Guys, I can illustrate that's what we do here at Connect Church. You don't have to, we don't all have to get along. We all may have bumps and bruises. It's going to be messy in our lives, but guess what? Welcome to family. That's what family does. You are loved here. We're going to support you. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to challenge you to make you better. Sometimes that means kicking you you know, in the, there. And and other times it's going to mean that we're going to encourage you. But this is what family does. Our goal is to do what? Our goal is to get you to heaven. Our goal is not to tell you what you want to hear. Our goal is not to make you happy or feel great about you. We don't do the old school of putting everybody up on a pedestal, putting their names on plaques, and it's about this family and that family and that family. We've been in this church all our life. What we put up on a pedestal is Jesus Christ. We're on a mission to tell a lost and dying world about him and the only person that gets the glory at connects church is jesus he is the only one that is worthy it's about him and it's for him that's family that's family so get out your notes i got nine minutes and not a whole lot left in me and so i'm going to share with you four succinct phrases that, Jesus, that Pastor Rick Warren has taken as a biblical definition, and I want you to get your notes, and I'm going to give them to you very quickly, and we're going to look at a biblical definition of what it means of the church family, the only family that will last forever. Number one, the church is God's family on earth and in heaven. Did you write that down? The church is God's family on earth and in heaven. A couple of weeks ago, just this godly woman who wasn't perfect, who made mistakes, 
but she was such an encourager and a vital part of this church for decades. I did her funeral, Miss Sybil Barron. Do you know Miss Sybil was not there that day? I upset some of you all because I don't freak out over death. Miss Sybil was not there. I'm going to preach at 2 o'clock in Baldwin, Mississippi, the funeral of Miss Jean Hall, Angela's mom. She's not going to be there. We're going to celebrate the fact that she is better off than every one of you in this room this morning, including me. I'll be part participating with Mark's mother's funeral later this week, but she won't be there. And what some of you all get your feathers ruffled with me about is because I keep saying stuff like this and I'll never stop saying it. Because I'm not here to make you happier or make you like me. What I'm here to do is I want you to get to heaven. And the truth of the matter is, more than anything else, whether you like it or not, I'm going to fight hell for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear because what I care about is not being popular with you all or being liked by everybody. What I care about is I don't want you to go to hell. And I'm going to fight for you even when you don't want to be fought for. Because you know why? It doesn't matter what happens to you on earth. It doesn't matter how big my church is. It doesn't matter how popular I am. What matters is, is church and this church family is about heaven on the other side. And ladies and gentlemen, y'all freaking out over COVID. Y'all freaking out about dying. I'm telling you, the moment I leave this planet earth, don't you dare come to my funeral and, and shed a tear. Because I'm just, some of y'all are going to be happy but don't you dare come to my funeral and shed a tear because the moment I leave this state the moment I go home to glory I pray that Jesus someday would take me preaching and just take me unto heaven because I'm telling you the moment I leave this earth I am home and God help me to not fall in love with this planet help me to remember this is not my home I'm just a passing through. God wants us to know our family on earth as it is in heaven. Principle number two. The church is composed of saved and baptized believers. Some of you are like, I was baptized as an infant. I joined the church because of the fact that someone told me it was important. My name Praise God. My name, you remember how we used to do it old school, Tony? My name is on the church row. Have you ever all thought about the church row? How long y'all been in church, Mark? You're old. Uh, have you ever, have you ever seen the church row? Regina, you've been a church secretary for a while. Where's the roll at? You ever seen it? D- doggone, our church secretary don't even know where the roll's at. Jonathan, you're a deacon. Have you ever seen the church roll? How in the world are y'all going to get to heaven if we can't even find our roll? Alan and Tanner, y'all know what you sing. When the roll is called up yonder. Uh, you know, we're, we're that old song. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. By the way, I just got to ask you, where's yonder? Okay, I just got to know. I got to know where's yonder. So I'm not a real big fan of that song right off the bat. But then the roll is going to be called. So I think what that song in poor theology 
is telling us that if our name's not on the roll uh, and we're not a church member, that we're not going to get well, our church. Plus, y'all are going to hell because we can't even find our roll. <laughs> I, I'm pastor here twenty, almost twenty years. I ain't never seen it. Now, membership is important. Don't get me wrong. We want you to join the church. We'll, it's somewhere to fall. I don't know. I don't care. Do you know how you get to heaven? By the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He washes away your sins. And he comes in and he makes you a new creation. And I don't care whether you're red, yellow, black, or white. All are precious in his sight. We are sa- By the way, you realize there's not just going to be Baptist in heaven. Get back. There's going to be Methodist in heaven. There's going to be Christian church people in heaven. Probably going to be Church of Christ. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, it's going to be Church of Christ people in heaven. <laughs> I went online anyway. Sorry. Just email David Mills. There's going to be Pentecostal people in heaven. There's even going to be Presbyterian people in heaven. Wouldn't it be God's sense of humor? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm still a little bit carnal. Wouldn't it be so cool if in heaven and the church family, if God took the Pentecostals in heaven and put all their mansions right next door to the Presbyterians. Would that not be awesome? <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going. The Pentecostals are like every day at worship. They're going, oh, hallelujah. The Presbyterians are going, where in the world did these people come from? Give me another drink. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why did you let me say that? Anyway, uh, so <laughs> Where's Tanner at now when I need him? Uh, I'm just... (laughs) So here, where were we at? Okay, yes. So here's the church. It's composed of saved and baptized believers. And God says to us, he says, man, this is how you get to heaven. It's Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe, will be condemned that's how you get to heaven number three the church is people who are committed to jesus and each other the church is people who are committed to jesus and each other and that money to be a part of the church means you're not committed just to jesus guys but we're committed to loving one another we're committed to loving one another look at romans 12 10 love one another with brotherly affection Outdo one another. I love that. Circle that phrase. Outdo one another in showing honor. Guys, it would do us so much good if you and I would look at each other and go, you know what? You're more important than me in this church. You're more important than me in this church. Outdo one another in showing honor and love. I got to confess to you, you know, one of the things that's closest to my heart is um, I've got a real love for orphans and for foster children and some of you are bringing foster children into your homes and if I could stand and applaud you today you are my heroes and why do we have such an affinity to love orphans our church just two weeks ago had members at an orphanage in Mexico that we support 
we sent hundreds and hundreds of dollars into there to buy them Christmas and let them know that we love them. We're not just talking about this. We've got a, a closet here in our church that helps out foster children. And I, I'm just, we're not just talking about this. We're doing this. We love to take and help out orphans and foster children at Connect Church. And why do we do that? Why do we have such an affinity for that? And you know why? Because we believe in the hardest of our hearts that these kids without family leadership, their likelihood of success without finding a good family is going to be really doubly hard. You with me this morning? So we want them to do what? We want them to have family structure. We want them to have family support and family love. Dr. Tony Evans says this about the church today. Christians today are spiritual orphans, children of God with no family relationships. And what his message to his church is, and my message to everybody listening to me this morning, is too many of you are living like spiritual orphans in the church family. You're not connected to anybody. You're not part of what God is doing here. And the reason we want you to sign up right now, we're getting ready to launch another semester of Connect Groups. You got my permission right now, if you're not in one, to go to the guest services desk right now and then get your backside in here. But you need to go sign up as we launch. We've got, do you know what God is doing here because we love you? We want you to have spiritual leadership in your life to meet with a group of people that's going to pray for you, hold you accountable, push you to have family structure in your life, and then we're moving to that next level. It's not all there yet, but I'm going to meet and coach. The fifth thing I'm going to do today at 4.30, Blynn and I are going to pour into disciple makers in this church, and we're launching. Uh, by the way, we went, when we started this six years ago, uh, connect groups on Sunday nights. We had five groups that were meeting, and guess what we're going to do in January, in two weeks? We're going to have 17 small groups meeting because we're, we're going to have more, almost 200 people meeting on Sunday nights. That's more than we had in this entire church on Sunday mornings when I came here because we believe and helping you guys have spiritual formation in your life. The church, finally, is people who are preparing for heaven and Christ's return. Either Jesus is coming back before I die, or when I die, I go to heaven. Either way, I'm preparing eternity with him, preparing for eternity with him. You know why we need to long to be in heaven? Look at me this morning. It's because you're never going to be happy here. What? <laughs> to think with me this morning. The church family, what we're doing here is our goal is to get, did I make myself clear this morning? My goal is to get you to heaven. Now, that's it. We keep it real simple here. My goal is to get you to heaven. And ladies, look at me this morning. Y'all get frustrated, and y'all want to quit, and y'all want to run away from church, and you're thinking, well, this doesn't make me happy. This is not fulfilling my needs. Look at me. Look at me. You're never going to be happy on this earth. Well, I'm going to a better church that tells me something. I'm tell you, they're lying to you if they tell you differently, and here's why. This is not your home. 
You were not created for this planet. You were created to be with God forever and ever. The reason you keep being unhappy is, well, I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to get sick and die of COVID. I'm scared I'm going to lose my job because of COVID. I got news for you. We're all going to die. We're all going to lose our job one day. It's all going to go away because we were never prepared to be happy here. God is going to live with us for eternity. Everything I want to do on this planet, I'm going to do on the other side. But without sin, without ever getting tired, I'm going to enjoy my life for the rest of eternity. So while you're killing yourselves for here and now, this is not your home. You were not created to be happy here. Lynn and I went to see our kids and North our kids and grandkids in North Carolina last week. It was incredible. Matthew already thinks Papa T is you know the greatest. I love my grandkids. They don't know. But you know what, Stanley? As we were driving back, seemed like eighteen hours, but it was maybe eleven. And when we pulled. And went across the river there and got out of Alabama. Sorry, all you Bama fans tomorrow night. I really want to say go Ohio State, but I can't. Anyway, but as we drove across that line, and I know that the online viewers that are watching all over the world and country this morning, they have no clue and they have no desire. Y'all stay where you're at. The truth of the matter is, I love living in Mississippi. I'm not from here. I wasn't born here. But God willing, I'll die here. And you want to know why? Because it's home. As much as we loved our kids and grandkids, Blynn and I looked at each other. We couldn't wait to pull up to 105 Gracie Lane and get out of that car because you're just more comfortable. You're more at peace. You're tracking with me when you go home. Ladies and gentlemen, quit trying to find what you're looking for here. We're going home. We're going home. And it's all going to be worth it on the other side. So this morning, I want to give you that verse. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You know the really cool part of this verse is the you that is used in these two verses. In the original Greek is a plural form. And the plural form means this, the plural. It means that you are God's temple. That means living is, you know what this means? It means you are the church. Inside of you is the temple of God. The church is inside of you. And it's not just singular. It's not about me. He uses the plural form. And he says, you, you, and you are the church. You, and you, and you are the church. And when we come together, all of us use come together, and we understand that it's him is to be lifted up. It's you are the church. You are the church. And together, we cannot be stopped. Together, we cannot be defeated. Together, we're going to heaven together. And ladies and gentlemen, this, this is us.
stand with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message today. If there's one here today that doesn't know you, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just pray this prayer with me if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Oh God, I confess to you right now this morning that I am with, away from you. I'm a sinner. I've lived my life apart from you. And Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, cleanse me, and wash away my sins. And God, I give you my heart, my life, and my soul because I believe that you are my only Savior. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.